Hi, this is Gary Meese back again with the case against. It's been quite a while and it probably will be quite a while again before I get back on here, but with the 30th anniversary of the killings, uh, I thought I'd uh, drop in for a moment just to reflect a bit on where we are. Probably the most important thing to remember is that uh, with the 30th anniversary, there are there were three eight-year-old boys who would be 38 now. Michael Moore, Stevie Branch, Christopher Byers. Um, over the years, I've gotten somewhat of a feel for their personalities, and uh, you know, and I've had contact at various times with various parents and you know uh to say that they're forgotten as bob ruff had it is of course ridiculous they've never been forgotten many of us think about them all too frequently and it's since it's usually an occasion for sadness at least for those of us who have mostly the memories of this case the evidence of this case to consider it's it's a, a moment of sadness and uh uh just general revulsion at uh, what happened to these poor children you know michael moore was uh you get you can the most commonly used picture of michael he's looks kind of solemn and he and you know he's got his scout uniform on, and he he loved to scout scouts. He was big on that. But you know the kid was just a typical eight year old kid. He's a lot of apparently had a, full of mischief and uh, full of life. Uh, loved carrying around his little badge. You could sort of get a feel of what kind of kid he would be. He would grow up to be, and uh, you know he had parents that were somewhat more stable than some of the other parents, uh, I would say. And, uh, you know, he's with his birth parents, which is the only one out of the three that that's the case. And, uh, you know, they went to church and they were members of the integrated well into the community of West Memphis. And you could see the kind of kid he would, the man he would be, I think, from the boy. Uh, Stevie Branch pictures you get you see of him you see a very nice looking young man spiky hair of course but that's just a style for that time you know he apparently was a, a sensitive child a bit of a mama's boy uh, already had a sort of an eye for the ladies and uh a very good student apparently so it's it's hard to say how he would have ended up but I, I think he would have been a very successful young man and uh, Christopher Byers you know a, a difficult family situation two parents with drug problems uh, I know people make a big deal out of the fact that he was spanked with a belt the day he was disappeared and uh, not that uncommon in uh, places like West Memphis. Uh, 
for that sort of thing to happen. Uh, was he routinely grossly abused? I, probably, I would say no, but you know, he probably got, got a good hard spanking on a fairly frequent basis. He, apparently he was quite a handful in, in a certain sense and that he was just wired extremely, an extremely high level of activity and was, you know, was known as worm and so forth. But, you know, you get the feeling with him, he was, you know, basically, uh, again, a mischievous kid, but also pretty much a good kid. And uh, it's hard to say how he would have ended up, but, you know, it's it's hard to say for, <laughs> it's hard to say for looking at an eight-year-old how things are going to go. But, you know, you sort of, you sort of hope that he, uh, would have grown up to be uh, the man he could be, and uh, that was he was deprived of that by the actions of three trailer park punks. Uh, you know, uh, it's been thirty years, and for twenty nine years and eleven months, we've known who committed the murders evidence is all there for anybody who cares to look at it and I've gone over it again and again in great detail and I'm not going to go into a great detail today but you know you have confessions from uh, Jesse Miskelly uncoerced confessions Confessions he insisted on making in most cases. Numbering, depending on how you want to look at it, but at least six. And uh, despite some of the discrepancies and problems with it, it's pretty evident that uh, Jesse Miskelly was there, along with Jason Baldwin, Damien Eccles, uh, for the killing of the boys. And participated in it. Uh, Damien Eccles, Jesse Miskelly had two failed alibis, uh, and you know he consistently told his family, "Oh yeah, I didn't do it," but he didn't really talk that way to the authorities, including his defense attorney. Um, Damien Eccles very problematic uh, mental health history that's simply never mentioned in any in any of the numerous documentaries that have been in TV shows have been made about this case um, he was seen walking in the vicinity of the, the murders on that evening in mud and you know, it's an eyewitness account. You you can be you can dispute that. Uh, not it's not the best evidence. Eyewitness accounts are admittedly not the best evidence, but it's evidence, and uh, multiple parties identified him, and they knew him. The uh, Eccles failed his polygraph, as did Jesse Miskelly. Uh, polygraph is not admissible in court. It's certainly not 100%, but when you got two failed polygraphs and, and the third suspect refusing to take a polygraph, the indications there are that 
somebody's lying about what they did or didn't do on that evening. Uh, the fact that uh, he also has two failed alibis. He made confessions to uh, William Jones and uh, what's that other boy's name? Anyway, uh, we'll, I'll think of it in a minute. Jesse Miskelly made confessions also made a confession to a friend and he made confessions to other people. The thing is, is these boys were, they were talking as if they'd done it and acting as if they'd done it. And, uh, it's not, that's not an indication of innocence. Uh, and of course, Jason Baldwin confessed to Michael Carson and, uh, while he was being incarcerated, which is the main evidence against them. And again, it's not, it's not the strongest of evidence, but it is evidence and it was sufficient to convict. All this evidence was sufficient to convict and very, very little of it. Did you see in any of the documentaries? Um, the fact that Jason's mother had him clam up almost immediately upon being questioned by police is suspicious in itself, though it's his perfect right to do so. It's also suspicious. Raises a question, why were you so concerned about the police talking to your son? Uh, there's the lake knife. Again, the multiple conflicting stories from the Baldwin family members about how that knife ended up in the lake behind their house. There's, uh, you know, the fact that uh, the Eccles is known to have carried around a similar knife doesn't uh, doesn't uh, alleviate uh, the suspicions and the likelihood that that was that knife was involved in the murders. And you know, there's a wealth of other stuff that we could go over. Um, softball girls confessions, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the statements from the girls that, uh, e that Eccles supposedly was talking to that evening that according to their own statements, they weren't talking to him that evening that could indicate that he was out with Jason that evening and uh, that he wasn't at home when he said he was at home. On and on and on. I, I, I really don't want to go over and over and over all that again. Uh, I've put, put out numerous episodes on various aspects of the case. Yeah, um, the boy that, the other boy that Jace, uh, Damien talked to was a little, little bit Watkins. So, you know, uh, you know I, sometimes I'm... Sometimes numerous names float around in my head on this case, and I got to put got to put them all together. Uh, I'm not going to be doing uh, many more, if any more, uh, episodes on this case, uh, and I'm pretty much through with true crime podcasting. And, you know, I might agree to show up as a guest somewhere, but I'm not going to go out of my way to do that. I've got uh, other things going on in my life. Uh, 
and uh, that are more important than continuing to uh, talk about this case uh, when I've already talked about it as much as anybody really wants to listen to. Uh, if I thought I was actually build, helping build more of a case against the West Memphis Three, I would do so. You know, I, I, I get you, you get if you cover this at all and and look at them in a negative sort of way, you get accused of being obsessed with them. And then when you don't spend all, all a great deal of time dealing with the case for months at a time then I guess you're accused of not caring. Well, you know, I do care, uh, but the case isn't going anywhere. There's a, the DNA question may or not, may or may not get resolved in the courts very shortly. It's always hard to tell about that. Uh, if there's testing on that, if the testing's approved, goes through, they test and they come out with some sort of meaningful results. I probably will get back on here and talk about that. Uh, I'd be extremely surprised if we come up with DNA showing a, a known serial killers of DNA showed up on the shoelaces. But if that's the case, then, you know, hey, I've, I've always already said I will ha happily issue an apology to the West Memphis Three and take down everything I've ever written and uh, take my books out of circulation. And I'll, I will do that. It'll be over and done with. That's not going to happen. They did it. And uh, for those of you who've wondered, uh, you know, where I've been, well, I've just been sort of living life, doing some things that uh, I've wanted to do, and uh, got an excellent report from my doctor the last time I was in there. Uh Speaking of eight-year-old boys, I spent a lot of time around an eight-year-old boy just in the last year, and I, I'll tell you, they are, they can be a handful, uh, but they can also be a lot of fun. And you know, I have a son who is more or less would more or less the same age as the West Memphis Three boys. He's two years older than those boys, and uh, at the time, you know, I did I identified very strongly with the parents who lost those children, and I still do. I still know, and I know what it's like to have a the kind of fulfillment you have with having a son grown and having some accomplishments and just getting on with life. And, uh, and I can't imagine what it would have been like to have had that process interrupted. Anyway, uh, that's all from me. 15 minutes is more than enough on this. Uh, I wish my listeners well. I, I encourage them to study up on the, the case. Um, my books, I think, are an excellent resource. Certainly a beginning, a good beginning place. Blood on Black, Where the Monsters Go. Two-volume set, Case Against the West Memphis Three Killers. A revised, condensed version of those two books, all available on Amazon, in print and Kindle formats. And finally, uh, I just simply wish, w again, wish all of you well, and uh, hopefully uh, there will be a little reason for me to pop back up here again, because frankly, the case is solved.
It just is.